Hello, and welcome to Morning Prayer at St. Paul's Lutheran Church in Edison, New Jersey. I'm so glad that we're able to spend this time together in prayer. This is Monday, and we're in the fifth week of the Easter season. Easter is not just one day, but a season made up of a week of weeks. And this week, we continue our readings of the Acts of the Apostles. Please feel free to send me an email with any stories or insights or questions that might arise this week. You can send them to me at pastorjim2006 at icloud.com. And now, we begin our prayer in silence. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Satisfy us in the morning with your steadfast love, O God, that we may rejoice and be glad all our days. Praise to the blessed and holy Trinity, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God who gives life, salvation, and resurrection. Alleluia. The Son of Righteousness will arise with healing in his wings. O come, let us worship and praise. Come, let us sing to the Lord. Let us shout for joy to the rock of our salvation. Let us come before God's presence with thanksgiving and raise a loud shout to the Lord with psalms. For you, Lord, are a great God, and a great ruler above all gods. Come, let us sing to the Lord. Let us shout for joy to the rock of our salvation. In your hand are the caverns of the earth. The heights of the hills are also yours. The sea is yours, for you made it, and your hands have molded the dry land. Come, let us sing to the Lord. Let us shout for joy to the rock of our salvation. Come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord, our Maker. For the Lord is our God, and we are the people of God's pasture and the sheep of God's hand. Come, let us sing to the Lord. Let us shout for joy to the rock of our salvation. You have been born anew through the abiding word of God. A reading from Acts, chapter 19. While Apollos was in Corinth, Paul traveled through the interior regions and arrived at Ephesus. There he found some disciples, and he said to them, Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? We had not heard, they replied, that there was a Holy Spirit. Well then, said Paul, into what were you baptized? Into John's baptism, they replied. John baptized with the baptism of repentance for the people, said Paul, speaking about the one who was to come after him and saying that that person would be the one that people should believe in, and that means Jesus. When they heard this, they were baptized in the name of Jesus. Paul then laid his hands on them, and the Holy Spirit came upon them, and they spoke in tongues and prophesied. There were about twelve men in all. Paul went into the synagogue and spoke boldly there for three months, arguing and persuading them about the kingdom of God. But when some of them were hard-hearted and wouldn't believe and made wicked allegations about the way in front of everybody else, Paul left them. He took the disciples with him and argued every day in the lecture hall of Tyrannus. He did this for two years, so that all the inhabitants of Asia, Jews and Greeks alike, heard the word of the Lord. God performed unusual works of power through Paul's hands, People used to take handkerchiefs or towels that had touched his skin and put them on the sick, and then their diseases would leave them and evil spirits would depart. 
There were some traveling Jewish exorcists who tried to use the name of the Lord Jesus on people with evil spirits. I command you, they used to say, in the name of Jesus, the one Paul proclaims. There were seven of them who used to do this. They were the sons of Sceva, a Jewish high priest. But on one occasion, the evil spirit answered them back. I know Jesus, it shouted, and I am well acquainted with Paul, but who are you? The man who had the evil spirit pounced on them, and since he was much too strong for them, overpowered all of them so that they fled out of the house naked and battered. This became common knowledge among both Jews and Greeks living in Ephesus. Fear came on all of them, and the name of the Lord grew greatly in prestige. Many people who became believers came forward to make public confession, revealing what they had been up to. Some of them had been practicing magic, and they brought their books and burned them in front of everyone. Someone calculated how much they were all worth, and it it came to 50,000 silver pieces. So the word grew and was strong in accordance with the Lord's power. Once all this had been finished, Paul decided in his spirit to go back through to Macedonia and Achaia, and from there on to Jerusalem. After I've been there, he said, I'll have to go and see Rome. He sent two of his helpers, Timothy and Erastus, on ahead to Macedonia, while he himself spent a little more time in Asia. Around that time, there was a major disturbance because of the way. There was a silversmith called Demetrius who made silver statues of Artemis, which brought the workmen a tidy income. He got them all together, along with other workers in the same business. Gentlemen, he began, you know that the reason we are doing rather well for ourselves is quite simply this business of ours. And now you see and hear that this fellow Paul is going around not only Ephesus, but pretty well the whole of Asia, persuading the masses to change their way of life, telling them that God made, gods made with hands are not gods at all. This not only threatens to bring our proper businesses into disrepute, but it looks as if it might make the people disregard the temple of the great goddess Artemis. Then she, and after all, the whole of Asia, indeed the whole world, worships her. She might lose her great majesty. When they heard this, they were filled with rage. Great is Ephesian Artemis, they shouted. Great is Ephesian Artemis. The whole city was filled with an uproar, and everyone rushed together into the theater, dragging along with them Macedonians Gaius and Aristarchus, two of Paul's companions. Paul wanted to go in and speak to the people, but his followers wouldn't let him. Indeed, some of the local magistrates who were friendly toward him sent him a message urging him not to take the risk of going into the theater. Meanwhile, some people were shouting one thing, some another. In fact, the whole assembly was thoroughly confused, and most of them had no idea why they had come out here in the first place. The Jews pushed Alexander forward, and some of the crowd informed him what was going on. He motioned with his hand and was going to make a statement to the people to explain things, but when they realized he was a Jew, they shouted together for about two hours, Great as Ephesian Artemis! The town clerk quieted the cloud. Men of Ephesus, he said, is there anyone who doesn't know that our city of Ephesus is the place which has the honor of being the home of Artemis the Great and of the statue that fell from heaven? Nobody can deny it, so you should be quiet and not do anything rash. 
You have brought these men here, but they haven't stolen from the temple or blasphemed our goddess. If Demetrius and his colleagues have a charge that they want to bring against anyone, the courts are open and we have magistrates. People can present their cases against one another. But if you are wanting to know anything beyond that, it must be sorted out in the authorized assembly. Let me remind you that we ourselves are risking legal proceedings because of this riot today, since there is no reason we could give which would enable us to present a satisfactory explanation for this uproar. With these words, he dismissed the assembly. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Paul's ministry in Ephesus is so successful, the word of the Lord grows so rapidly and so powerfully, that the idle manufacturer's guild starts to feel threatened. As people turn away from their idols to worship the one true God, the whole structure of pagan society is threatened. Demetrius and his colleagues incite a mob, and they start a riot in support of traditional values in the ancient national civic pride. Ephesus is the home of the great temple to Artemis, a wonder of the ancient world, and the shrine to the goddess who protected and watched over the city. You can still visit the ruins of this temple in Turkey today. It might be difficult for many of us who have grown up in Christian families, freely attended Christian churches, and perhaps surrounded ourselves with Christian friends and colleagues to imagine the pagan world. Ephesian Artemis was more than a goddess, and the sacrifices and various rites in her temple were more than just religious exercises. Artemis was the very spirit of the city, the basis of life and culture, their economy, and the familiar patterns of their life. The temple drew people from all over the region into the city. And, as Demetrius and his colleagues will point out, buying their wares, things to take home, a little piece of that spirit. While Paul is in the synagogue convincing his Jewish comrades that Jesus is the Messiah, Christianity can be tolerated under the gracious arm of Artemis herself. When Christianity moved out of the synagogue and into this public meeting place, gaining followers, followers who forsook their pagan practices, were baptized into the name of Jesus and changed the whole way in which their life was ordered. When this happens and starts to happen in numbers, suddenly the whole fabric of society starts to tear apart. There may be nothing more terrifying than angry mobs of patriots. But by God's grace, the Ephesian sisters and brothers convince Paul to stay away from the crowd, and the town leaders are finally able to restore order and to talk sense into Demetrius, his colleagues, and into the whole crowd. But for a few hours, things got dangerous, both for the synagogue and for Paul and for the Christian church in Ephesus. I wonder, as I was reading this, if if maybe the most revolutionary thing that a Christian can do is to simply believe in and live for Jesus Christ. Not do so as a power grab, not do so Uh, for our own glory, not do so as if it was some magic power, but to simply and humbly worship the Lord and live in his love. It seems that just the simple act of turning away from their pagan practices to confess Jesus was enough to shake the ancient town of Ephesus 
and its ancient ways. I wonder what we could change if we just simply and humbly practiced our faith and invited others to join us in worship, in prayer, and study. In Jesus' name, amen. In the tender compassion of our God, the dawn from on high shall break upon us. Blessed are you, Lord, the God of Israel. You have come to your people and set them free. You have raised up for us a mighty Savior born of the house of your servant David. In the tender compassion of our God, the dawn from on high shall break upon us. Through your holy prophets you promised of old to save us from our enemies, from the hands of all who hate us, to show mercy to our forebears and to remember your holy covenant. This was the oath you swore to our father Abraham, to set us free from the hands of our enemies, free to worship you without fear, holy and righteous before you all the days of our life. In the tender compassion of our God, the dawn from on high shall break upon us, and you, child, shall be called the prophet of the Most High, for you will go before the Lord to prepare the way, to give God's people knowledge of salvation by the forgiveness of their sins. In the tender compassion of our God, the dawn from on high shall break upon us, to shine on those who dwell in darkness and the shadow of death, and to guide our feet into the way of peace. In the tender compassion of our God, the dawn from on high shall break upon us. The Lord be with you. Let us pray. Mighty God of mercy, we thank you for the resurrection dawn, bringing the glory of our risen Lord who makes every day new. Especially we thank you for the sustaining goodness of your creation. We thank you for the new creation in Christ and for all the gifts of healing and forgiveness, for the gifts of relationship with others and for the communion of faith in your church. For what else are we thankful? Merciful God of might, renew this weary world. Heal the hurts of all your children, and bring about your peace for all in Christ Jesus, the living Lord. Especially we pray for those who govern the nations of the world, for the people in countries ravaged by strife or warfare, for all who work for peace and international harmony, and for all who strive to save the earth from carelessness and destruction, for the Church of Jesus Christ in every land, for those who are sick, afflicted, and mourning today. For who else and for what else are we praying today? Almighty and everlasting God, you have brought us in safety to this new day. Preserve us with your mighty power that we may not fall into sin nor be overcome in adversity. In all we do, direct us to the fulfilling of your purpose through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Lord, remember us in your kingdom and teach us to pray. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. Let us bless the Lord. Thanks be to God. Almighty God, 
Father, Son, and Holy Spirit bless you now and forever. Amen. Go forth into the world to serve God with gladness. Be of good courage. Hold fast to that which is good. Render to no one evil for evil. Strengthen the faint-hearted, support the weak, help the afflicted, honor all people. Love and serve God, rejoicing in the power of the Holy Spirit. Thanks be to God.